Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good afternoon. Welcome, Brian Noonan. As they said, in for Jeff again. And looking forward to talking to you at 855-616-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Oh, man, things are changing. Uh, you know, the best laid plans, as they always say. Uh, we had I had all kinds of things ready to talk about with the Senate. And uh, breaking news coming out just a few minutes ago that uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has blocked an attempt by Democrats to set up a standalone vote on increasing the amount of the stimulus check from 600 to $2,000. Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders tried to get consent to the Senate to bring up the vote, but uh, the Senate Majority Leader blocked it. Did not say why, but then he did, he did signal that there might be some, um, some other things that he would put together to uh, bring to a vote. Uh, there's... Something about a tech shield that has emerged as a top target for uh, the president and uh, the election-related investigations. So this is a, it's it's very difficult. But we'll talk we'll talk more about that. And I want to get your feelings about that. Were you uh, were you hoping against hope that the Senate would do do what many people think is right? You know, a lot of people who are hurting need that two thousand uh, dollars. Did you think the Senate was going to do it, or is this pretty much what you expected? No matter what was going to happen, Mitch McConnell was going to block this, and we'll get into uh, we'll get into that. But the other thing we've got to keep an eye on as the afternoon goes on is the weather. Uh, big things not supposed to start till later this afternoon, but they're saying this is going to be the first big hit of snow for not only Milwaukee but uh, the rest of the state and down into Illinois. I am not ready. Kyle, are you ready for the snow? Is this something that you're looking forward to? Are you one of these guys who uh, doesn't believe it's a beautiful winter until there's uh, six, eight, ten feet of snow? I always like a good snow. Uh, I always like the what the neighborhoods look like after a nice you know blanket of snow comes down but as long as it doesn't affect my driving or anything <laughs> i i don't i don't care that much i mean i i rent so i don't i don't shovel we have uh our landlords have a, a service come by and always take care of that for us bright and early in the morning so don't usually have to worry about shoveling right now until i am a homeowner so yeah i i, I don't mind it see and i am i am exactly the opposite and i know i've lived i've lived here my whole life and every except for a few years in California, where I was uh, blessed to be able to see the snow in the distance on the mountains, but not have to deal with it ever at my house. And uh, every year it's the same thing for me, where I'm like, "Oh no, here we go." And I'm like you, I don't mind uh, a little snow on the grass in the trees; it looks beautiful. If there was a way to keep the snow off the streets and the sidewalks, that would be terrific, because you know what's going to happen later today. Everybody who was born and raised in Wisconsin, who learned to drive in Wisconsin, who's been driving in winter conditions their entire life, is going to completely forget how to drive today. And today it's going to be uh, people going way too fast or way too slow, nobody using their signals, people forgetting that there are uh, multiple lanes on a highway and just driving to and fro wherever they feel they want to be. So it every year it just brings up... Uh, brings up a myriad of complaints for me, and I know I should just probably move to a warmer climate, but there's something that keeps me here, and I don't know what it is. Uh, I, don't, I don't actually mind the shoveling. 
I mean, I went, I used to have a huge driveway, uh, huge, like three quarters of a mile long. That's an exaggeration. But I had a big snow thrower that I used, and that, so that was always fun. Now, I live in a house in the city, so I don't have, uh, I don't have a big driveway. I'm just out in the, uh, the drive, you know, the garages in the alley, and, uh, I don't have a whole lot of sidewalk. So I don't mind, I don't mind that kind of shoveling, but it's one of those things that just, I, I did a little panic last night uh, because I, my wife and daughter were like, oh, we're going to make a grocery list. We'll go to the store tomorrow. I said, all right, I'll go, I'll go after the show. And then they started calling for the snow to start, you know, 3, 4 o'clock. And I was like, oh, no, I should have gone to the store yesterday because now I don't want to go out with it. And I realized I'm not 79 years old. There's no reason for me not to want to go out in the snow. And yet I panicked. And I'm probably going to be one of those bread and milk people. Oh, the snow's coming. I got to make sure I have bread and milk, even though I don't really need bread and milk. But is that is that the kind of thing that you have to stock up on? Is there anything that you are going to stock up on tonight, Kyle? Because you think that uh, you know perhaps the roads will be too treacherous tomorrow. Well, with the the long weekend of having New Year's Day on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, that kind of gives us some time to uh, plan some meals. Uh, so the wife and I actually went uh, grocery shopping yesterday. Look how <laughs> we, smart you are! Yeah, we. I mean, we didn't really anticipate the snow yesterday. We didn't really realize that, that snow were really a lot of it was coming until really this morning. Um, so it just sort of worked out that we got enough stuff to, <laughs> to last us for the week. But um, yeah, one less thing to worry about, you know. Oh man, I I'm looking out the window and I keep thinking, oh man, I let's just uh, not that I listen, not that I want to race through the show. That's that's uh, the show is the priority. Let's be honest. But there's a little part of my brain that is thinking, oh man, are we going to get out of here before the snow, uh, before the snow comes? We will, and if we don't, we don't. It's not the end of the world. Like I said, I've been driving in this. I learned how to drive in this, just like most of us did. So it should be it should be fine. But I. See, now I am envious of you again, Kyle. Just another reason to be envious of you that you had the foresight to do your grocery shopping yesterday while I just uh, lolled around after the show, didn't go to the grocery store, and now, mm-mm-mm. Now yeah. things are going to... Got to figure out what to stock up on. Yeah, the early early bird is getting the worm in this case, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's not because of my uh, my my planning. Uh, just just turned out that way. I'm looking forward to going to the store today and seeing the shelves just decimated because people heard you know three to six inches and they're oh my god we're never going to get out again. So there'll be like two loaves of bread that have been there since early uh, December and maybe a half a gallon of uh, buttermilk. That's all that's going to be left. So I'm uh, you know it should be a fun afternoon. And it's also going to be a fun afternoon for everybody who is looking forward to uh, that $2,000 stimulus check rather than the $600 stimulus check. And by fun, I mean devastating because Mitch McConnell has blocked the vote. We'll talk about that. I want to get your opinions always at 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's Brian in for Jeff, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We were talking about preparing for the snow a minute ago. Dan texted in from New Berlin, stock up on beer. Beer is food. Never a problem here, Dan. That uh, The little beer fridge is always full. Uh, you know, I, I do need some solid sustenance, though, to go along, uh, to go, <laughs> go along with the beer. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to venture out and again. <laughs> Again, I know it sounds so stupid to get so concerned over three to six inches of snow. Um, and the grocery store is 
I don't know, a mile from my house at most. So it's not like I have to strap the dogs to a sled and head out on some Iditarod-type adventure to get some sliced uh, deli meats. I just hop in the car, go, come back. Um, You know, the garage has been cleaned out, ready for cars, so I'm good to go. Uh, Big news coming out at uh, just before noon from the Senate that Mitch McConnell has blocked a vote on uh, raising the stimulus checks from $600 to $2,000, saying that uh, he is indicating that he is uh, there's a new package that he is going to try to tie things in. Uh, Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders both tried to get the uh, Senate to vote on the bill, but the majority leader said, no, it's not going to happen. He didn't, he didn't directly say why he objected. He did signal, this is according to The Hill, he uh, signaled that he would package the increase in direct stimulus checks with a repeal of a tech shield that has emerged as a top target for Trump and election-related investigations. Uh, During this process, the president highlighted three additional issues of national significance he would like to see Congress tackle together. That is a quote from Mitch McConnell. He went on to say those are the three important subjects the president has linked together. This week, the Senate will begin a process to bring these three priorities into focus, end quote. I didn't go into more details. Chuck Schumer, of course, and uh, the Democrats are saying they're still going to try to do this. The... uh, they tried to do, you know, pull the stimulus check out from the rest of the COVID relief package that the president signed on Sunday. So now we're back to uh, people getting $600. I don't know if this is something you are happy about, but it does put the Republicans in an odd spot. This whole this whole thing. Um, do they stick with the president and vote yes and increase this stimulus package? Which, as you've heard, uh, you heard Mike reporting on the news, adds another over $400 billion. So about half of the bill, in addition to what the bill is already costing. So another over $400 billion to jump, increase the stimulus checks from 600 to $2,000. Do they do that to side with the president and placate, you know, because there are, there are Republican and Democratic voters who could use this money? who are really hurting. Do they do that, or do they try to pull back away from the Trump influence on the Republican Party and stick with the fiscal conservatism that has been a hallmark of the Republicans forever? It's, it's really tough. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. But here's the thing, and whether we want to admit this or not, people vote for their best interests. And right now, a lot of people are hurting. And in my opinion, to be on the side of denying people that extra money is going to hurt down the road. Now, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and somebody said, well, listen, uh, you know, five to ten years, this is going to really hurt. The amount of debt that we are creating is going to really hurt us in the future. And I will make this point again, and I think it's, uh, I think it's clear People don't want to look 10 years down the road if they can't feed their family or can't make their rent payment. They want to see what's going to happen right now. So we are not going to get this uh, this $2,000. We are going to get the 600 And is that going to help you? Are you going to are you going to be able to do you know do anything of substance with this $600? And I know if you've listen if you've still been able to work during this pandemic, 
if things have been not not perfect, but if things have been going along close to status quo for you, it's hard to understand. And that's that, that's true of anything. Unless we're in that position, it makes it a little difficult for us to figure how much this might lead to somebody. Um, but we need, a lot of people need this money. And is $600 going to do it? 855-616-1620. We'll talk a little more about this and uh, try to figure out what we're going to do or what the Senate is going to do. And if do you think they're making the right move? Do you think the Republicans sticking to the fiscal responsibility that is a cornerstone of the Republican Party is a better move than siding with the president in in what appears at this point, and it, it's not really, but it appears to be a coalition now between the Democrats and the president because the president said he wanted 2,000. The Democrats said, okay, here, here's a 2,000. So now all these Republicans who are blocking it or voting no are going against the president, and he was not happy about that this morning in another Twitter storm. But uh, your thoughts, always welcome here on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, Jeff is on a well-deserved vacation. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff uh, through Thursday, talking about Mitch McConnell blocking the vote to increase the stimulus, uh, the direct payment from $600 A lot of text coming in, so let's get to those and see what uh, see what you have to say. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You are always welcome to call as well. Uh, from the 262, welcome to socialism. I want all my free stuff. I don't care who pays for it. I just want it. This is not good. I don't know if I'm guessing that means any direct payment uh, is not good. Mark in River West says, uh, all of the rich politicians that don't care about us that are struggling with a reduction in income, um, he is not not happy about that. From the 616, how about we cut some of the pork spending that's going overseas and use that money to pay the people of this country? Yeah, I, I think at this point we have to, and I'm not I'm not one of these isolationist guys, but I think at this point you have to look you have to look inwards first, and then then you look outwards. But there there's and and this is the problem with any sort of legislation like this. There's all sorts of stuff in there that probably doesn't need to be in there. Not probably that definitely doesn't want to be in there. If you really want to help uh, taxpayers, if you really want to help small businesses, you focus just on that. You don't add all this other stuff. From the 307, $600 is a slap in the face. Canada has been giving its citizens $2,000 a, uh, a month. Mark is in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Welcome to WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me this morning. Sure. Um, so, so what do you think I, I of do this? Think that, uh, I, I think 600 is a, a bit of a slap in the face uh, after everything that the country has gone through. I think uh, 2000 is a, a lot more uh, help that could go into the economy. Um, I also wanted to, to dispute a little bit the, the claim that uh, the party of fiscal conservatives, when you look at the giant tax deal and break that corporations got uh, earlier with this administration, they're really only a party of fiscal conservatives when it comes to the, the regular American citizen. Uh, but when it comes to corporations, all of a sudden it's okay to just throw all this money out the window and cut the big tax deal. But uh, everybody's talking about this overseas spending and stuff. 
that's about $5 billion out of the whole package. If we were to stop sending all of that and just give all that back to Americans, in addition to the 600 it would equal about $18 per person. Right. So if you're, yeah, you're going to say go from 600 to 618 just so we can get rid of all that overseas spending, 18 bucks is, is that really that much in the grand scheme of things? I don't Listen, think so. so I'll take the family to McDonald's the for the 18 bucks. There. I'll use <laughs> yeah, that 18 bucks gone, for some fast so. food dinner. Hey, you know, we we could all use it, but uh, I guess sure. my overall point is to go from 600 to 618, that's not really where the bulk of it is. So let's not get distracted by the the nickel right. and dimes here when we're looking at the the big overall picture. <laughs> exactly. Well, Mark, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. Uh we've got to get to the news, but after that, a uh, there is a new poll out that is uh, a little bit critical of the way the the president's administration is transitioning. And then another poll that uh, sounds really good for the president. So a lot to get to on the other side of the news. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner. We were talking about the uh, the direct payment and the stimulus checks before. And you know, we've heard all year, and, and even before that, but this year especially, about how divided the country is. And if I go by the text... On the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, which you are always welcome to avail yourself of at 855-616-1620, it definitely shows that we are a hugely divided country. Just a little sample. So we were talking about whether it was a good idea for the direct payments to go from $600 to $2,000. And... uh, Here's just some of the some of the text. I consider myself a Republican, but for the politicians, how is giving everyone $2,000 any different than giving everyone a $2,000 tax break? Uh, another text. But the stimulus needs to go to people who need it, not people like myself who have been working through the entire process. Uh, from the 262, this is $1,200 for a couple and $2,400 for a family of four. So not just $600. Well, that... Unless you have a spouse and two children, it is, it's $600. Uh, there's a limit to free stuff, and when the money tree dies, it is going to get ugly. From the 414, talking about the Republicans, they never give a uh, expletive deleted about being fiscally conservative unless it's helping lobbyists or the rich. Keeping the poor stupid and unhealthy is a new party platform. It's a damn shame that they don't work for us anymore. Uh, and then... Jumping on the back of that, to say the Republicans believe in fiscal responsibility is a joke. They voted for the massive tax cut in 2017 that favored the wealthy over the middle class. If the $2,000 was directed towards billionaires, the Republicans might be more inclined to pass it. Um, maybe we should just use the $1.5 trillion that President Trump gave to the wealthiest Americans and corporations in his latest tax cut and give that to the people we need now. It's a plot by the Dems to make the Republicans look bad and hurt the Georgia State Senate runoff. This will help the Democrats long term. Well, it's, I don't think it's a plot by the Democrats. It, the president is the one who pushed for it. So, and the president is most assuredly not a Democrat. Everyone uh, from the 414, everyone shouldn't get the money, though. If you lost a job it makes uh, and make less than 80000 then yes. Otherwise, no. Social Security recipients, no. Millionaires, no. And finally, keep it at 600, according to Jeff. Uh, if it has to be revisited in a couple of months, do that. The vaccine is here. Let's get the economy open in a couple of months. So there you go. It shows a wide, wide range of opinions, which is uh, what we're always looking for here. Nice, uh, healthy conversation. All right, now, 
you know, unless unless you're one of the few people that are still holding out hope that there is some way that the uh, the president is going to uh, overturn the election and get another term, which he is not, because there's been no proof of any sort of wrongdoing, we know that they, on January 20th, a new administration is going to be sworn in. So now, historically, is when there is a transition, a peaceful transition of power, which has been going on... Uh, in this country for as long as we have been transitioning power, you know, since 1800. Well, you've heard the reports that it was it was very difficult at first for the Biden administration, the incoming Biden administration, to get any help from the outgoing Trump administration. And those stories have continued. And a new poll came out today that showed that 54% of Americans disapprove of how the president has handled the transition. And that's where I want to ask you, do you think this is helpful? Do you agree with this poll and disapprove of the way that the administration has been handling the transition? Or do you think this is, uh, this is uh, fine? So uh, as the president's time in office draws to a close, the, uh, the precedent of peaceful transfer of power that John Adams set in 1800 is in jeopardy. Recent polling from Insider and SurveyMonkey, which just that name makes me doubt any poll, but I know it's, and these are small polls, quite frankly. It's just a sampling, which is why I bring it to you. But it shows that 54% of respondents to this poll somewhat disapproved, disapproved, or strongly disapproved of the president's transition of power to President-elect Joe Biden. On the other hand, 31% of the survey responded said they strongly approved, somewhat approved, or approved of the outgoing president's transfer of power. So, so you know, not a huge difference. And again, not a gigantic sample size um, of this poll, but this is it. So we'll break it down a little bit further. 14% of Trump voting respondents disapproved of the president's transition. 9% of Biden voting respondents approved. Well, the, neither one of those numbers should be very surprising, should they? If you voted for uh, President Trump, you're going to think he's doing a fine job. And most of, most of those voters are not going to say, no, he's not. Uh, he's doing fine. 15% of all respondents neither approved or disapproved. This is my favorite part of any poll, where you don't even answer. Why, why even bother taking it? You know? Do you approve or disapprove? I have no opinion. Then why are we talking to you? Go sit down. If, you're, if you can't come up with an opinion about something like this, what are you going to, what are you going to, what are you going to have an opinion about? You know, this is a, a pretty big issue, I would say. The democratic system moving along, the peaceful transition of power. <sighs> but, Okay. So the poll, uh, the poll was only eleven hundred and twenty-three people. So this is a very, a very small sample. Again, um, took a, a long time to get uh, to get people to even admit that Joe Biden had been elected president. But then, even after the General Services Administration allowed the team access to the transition resources, the current administration has not fully co- cooperated with the president-elect staff. This is this is this should be troubling to everybody because there's a lot going on. And if you saw yesterday on the news, President-elect Biden came out and said, "Listen, the, the DOD and 
other agencies are not giving us what we need. At some point, which should have happened a long time ago, we have to we have to put the needs of the country first. Because if you're not if you're not up to speed on all of this stuff, when you take office on January twentieth, and I don't care what party or what president you are, you need to be informed because if you go in there and you have to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed, that's too long. According to recent reporting, uh, several Trump officials have stonewalled Biden's transition team and have yet to acknowledge Biden's victory. These are people who are uh, delusional. Uh, On December 18th, Acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller ordered the Pentagon to cancel meetings with the Biden transition team, according to Axios. Uh, Miller said that the cancellation of the meetings was mutually agreed upon as a holiday break, but the executive director of the Biden transition team contradicted that, saying, quote, let me be clear, there was no mutually agreed upon holiday break. In fact, we think it's important that briefings and other engagements continue during this period as there's no time to spare, end quote. Yes, that is, uh, I don't know, it makes, it makes sense, doesn't it? makes sense that we should, makes sense that we should uh, you know, keep things going over the holidays because the government doesn't really stop during the holidays. The transition doesn't stop during the holidays. This is for everybody. You know, I know people are, uh, I, I, I love now that there are people on uh, both sides who are trying to, you know, it's all tit for tat. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, listen, it's over. You got you to transition. And you can't say that four years ago the Trump campaign didn't have access because they did. President Obama sat with then-President-elect Trump in the Oval Office two days after. The transition teams work together. That doesn't that doesn't go into what Congress was doing and all of that, but the transition was in place. And now the transition is not. And, you know, for people who are crying saying, oh, well, now everybody wants you to play nice. Well, listen, we shouldn't have to play nice. We should, this is adults. This is the government. This is the people who are in charge of this country. Stop acting like children, everybody, and get to work. All right, well, there's good news for the president, too. Um, another poll came out today that uh, shone a little bit of uh, light on him. I want to know from you, we're going to talk about the Gallup poll of most admired people. As you look back through this year, who are the people you admire the most and why? Don't just throw me a name. Tell me why you think that these pers- this person, these people, this group of people are worthy of our admiration. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll talk about the 2020 most admired people, according to Gallup and according to you on WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I think, I'm, Kyle, I'm just going to pretend I'm Jeff. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm going to stop saying who I really am, and we'll just go with that I'm Jeff and see if people notice. I'm sure people will notice immediately. They've, uh, they've already stormed the phone line saying that uh, this is not Jeff at all. No, it's Brian Noonan in for Jeff uh, the uh, the rest of the week. Well, not Friday, but tomorrow and Thursday. Let's not get into this. Uh, all right. Who is deserving of our admiration this year? Who would you say? Now, the new Gallup poll is out. They break it down to men and women, but we can put it men, women, uh, group. Who do you think are the most admired people this year? 
Uh, so Gallup does this every year. They put out a uh, poll. They take a small poll, and it is a uh, an- another one. 1,018 people responded to this. So we know that is actually very small, so that's why we come here to get a bigger sample size. But President Donald Trump and former First Lady Michelle Obama are the most admired man and women woman of 2020, according to the new Gallup poll that came out today. Um, it's the first time President Trump has tr- topped the list alone, uh, ending a 12-year run by his predecessor, Barack Obama, with whom he tied for most admired in 2019. So Barack Obama, not the most admired anymore, but uh, the president is for Michelle Obama. It's her third straight year. Oh, a three-peat for Michelle Obama. I wonder if she gets a ring or a jacket when you have a three-peat. Now, uh, for the president, the title reflects his part in his enduring popularity, they say, among Republicans. Gallup noted that few Republicans named anyone else besides the president uh, to their list. He holds a 39% overall approval rating. Uh, Democrats split their vote between people. Barack Obama, who had, again, had a 12-year run as most admired, came in second among men with 15%. President-elect Joe Biden came in third with 6%. Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, was fourth. And then Pope Francis, Bernie Sanders, and Bill Gates were also among the most admired men on the list. So I want to hear hear yours, too. So along the party lines, 48% of Republicans chose the president, while uh, Barack Obama was the top choice among Democrats. 32% uh, he got, and then Biden received 13% among Democrats and independent split between Trump and Obama. Now let's turn to the ladies, shall we? The most admired woman, Michelle Obama, received 10% of the votes. Kamala Harris followed with 6%, and then First Lady Melania Trump came in third with 4%. She came in second to Michelle Obama in 2019, has been among the top 10 most admired for the last four years, has never placed first. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and Queen Elizabeth II were also among the most admired women. Uh, so let's see who you want from the 414 first responders. They actually stepped up and our leaders sold us out. I would agree with that. Uh, Gianni is in uh, Montello. Hi, Gianni. Hello, Brian. Hey, listen, um, hands down, it's, it's the, the nurses and doctors and caregivers and frontline workers that um, have, uh, have been on the front lines and, and bore the brunt of, of this, this contagion. I, I think they're the people that, that we, we really need to admire. Uh, out with the politicians, uh, you know, the politicians are going to do uh, what they do, but um, it's it's the real Americans. Um, uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, the, the underpaid workers and those that are putting in twelve hours a day, as my sister is, um, six days a week. So uh, it's it's hats off to the frontline workers, whether they're in the hospitals or in the grocery stores, or. Um, you know, our teachers in our schools. How about that, right? Gianni, I agree with that 100%. You throw the truck drivers in there, too. Anybody who's had, anybody who didn't and have the, the luxury. Truck drivers. And of, the truck drivers. Absolutely. Any, yeah. Anybody who didn't have the luxury of, of working from home or staying home who had to go out and uh, put themselves at risk. And, of course, you went with the healthcare workers first, and that's 100%. You see these. You see the, uh, the the videos, and the we're actually going to talk about that after the news. Uh, one nurse, but the, the doctors and the nurses who are in there and having to deal with 
things that are far beyond what they signed up to do and having to watch this unfold and at the beginning with no supplies, with no preparation. So you've got to give it to all those people. In America, too. Let's let's add that in America. I mean, I think my sister, you know, she gets like two, uh, you know, two N95 masks a year because um, they, they just there's no supply. You know, right. I have one. But, um, you know, how long does it last? But so, yeah, we were very underprepared and they were thrown, you know, talk about um, the general set and the lines on the map move from side to side, you know, as Roger Waters wrote. Right. Gianni, have a great day. Thank you for the call. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll do some more of these. We've got texts coming in. Your calls eight five five six one six one six twenty. You heard the Gallup most admired people. Who do you put on the list for the most admired people? either man, woman, group. Who's your most admired of 2020? We'll uh, talk about this a little more on the other side. It's WTMJ. The Gallup poll of most admired people came out today. President Trump and Michelle Obama topped the list for most admired man and woman. I was asking you at 855-616-1620, who would be on your list from the 920, Dr. Fauci, because he is so knowledgeable with the situation that we find ourselves in, but it's so sad that certain people refuse to take him seriously. This should have been over a long time ago. Uh, from the 262, all of the healthcare workers, I know they've just, uh, they're just doing their job, but they're getting their butts whooped right now. Also, Dr. Fauci, agree with him or not, he is only trying to keep people safe. Uh, from the 414 saying the president is the least admired. From the 262, why does anyone admire any politician? That's a good question. Those are most likely people to screw up this country, and they prove it time and time again. Yeah, I, you know, if there's, if there's a politician that really goes above and beyond, of course they deserve our admiration. I don't know if all, all do, but, uh, you know, we'll go. We'll leave that there and let us, let us ponder that for a little bit. Why do we admire anybody? Mark from Kenosha says, also a shout-out to all the retail and fast food workers. They have to deal with so much and so many people. They put themselves at risk every day, too, and need to be recognized. Yeah, you see these, uh, you know, especially in places where they're still arguing about masks. You see uh, people who work in retail. They're getting yelled at. They're getting assaulted. They're getting pushed by uh, people who don't want to wear masks. And these, you know, these are people who took a job doing doing what they were supposed to do. They didn't, they, you know, if you're working at Walmart or Target or the grocery store or uh, McDonald's, you didn't sign up to be anybody's uh, mask police. But if you have to tell somebody, hey, you know, it's the rules here, you have to wear a mask, you don't deserve to get any of that. So these people do deserve some admiration. Just because they're, they're dealing with a public that right now can be very, very selfish. Um... Uh, let's see, from the 262, everyone always leaves out automotive service when thanking uh, essential employees. They deserve credit for keeping things moving when vehicles break down. Transportation is a very important part of our lives, and without it, nothing is possible nowadays. That is true, and I have had to get my car serviced during this pandemic, so I am very thankful that all the mechanics uh, and all the technicians were there to uh, were there to help me out. And it... You know, it's easy to focus on healthcare workers and first responders, and to a certain extent, they're doing their job. But they are going way, especially the healthcare workers, above and beyond what they signed up for. But we do tend to forget other people who we've deemed essential. They have to come to work. 
We don't pay them necessarily as essential. We don't treat them in quote-unquote normal times as essential, but they definitely are. Speaking of healthcare workers, another impassioned plea, and why won't we listen? We'll get into that on the other side of the news, which comes your way right after this on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan. Well, we are definitely keeping an eye on the weather as uh, the snow is coming to Milwaukee and Wisconsin later today. So stock up, stock up. I've got the uh, grocery list started. My wife and daughter are ready. We're going to be going out and seeing what's happening, getting everything ready. Now, uh, right before the news, we were talking about the Gallup 2020 Most Admired People list, and we were getting uh, some great responses from you about who were most admired. A lot of texts came in, so I want to just get all those in before we go, because I think sometimes we forget to give people shout-outs that really deserve them. Because, as I mentioned, in normal times, and I use the term normal very loosely, but you know what I'm talking about, pre-pandemic times, a lot of people that right now we consider essential were not treated as essential. We We didn't really give them their due. You know, we just expect them to be there, and if they aren't, then we get upset because we're being inconvenienced. And when they are, we're just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. So uh, you can keep texting these in. We'll, uh, we'll drop in on them throughout the program. But uh, these are some that came in while, uh, while we were at the news. Anthony Fauci, Dolly Parton, and Chadwick Bozeman. That uh, from Jeff. Lou in West Dallas says, don't forget public transportation sanitation people. Yeah. They're still they're still out there, you know. Even if you don't take public transportation, buses and trains are still running. Uh, your garbage is still getting picked up. City bus drivers and cleaners, janitors, airline attendants, Uber drivers. Yeah, we don't think about the uh, we don't think about the rideshare people, you know. When if we if we do have to go out and that's how you move around, you need those people around. Uh, least paid and so vital to us. That's uh, that's all from Lou. Law enforcement, of course, they are out there doing their job, whether there is uh, whether there is a pandemic or not. Thank goodness. Ray in Illinois says, "Hi, Brian. My most admired would be the grocery store workers. They went out every day, sometimes with little or no protection, and were there to make sure that we could purchase the food and other things that we need." You know, I feel bad about this. When when this all started, and we were you know we were being told to stay home, and we everybody was not that we shouldn't be nervous now. Or shouldn't be concerned now, but at the beginning, you you remember the feeling, and the lines at the grocery store, and and people trying to get as much as they could, and I remember thanking people who were working at the grocery store at the beginning, and then I kind of stopped that because it seemed I I felt weird doing it, but it's still you know it's still a valuable thing to to. At least be grateful to them. Maybe you don't want to thank, but the the people that I thanked, especially at the beginning, seemed very appreciative of it. You know, there's people working at the deli counter, or people, you know, anywhere in the store. If you ask them, if you ask them for help, if you ask them if something was coming in, or if they were, you know, what was going on, they were they were there to help you. And so I threw a little thanks their way, and then I stopped. So I think I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to bring that back a little bit. I know we all get caught up in our own deal. And, uh, you know, you're frustrated, you're in a hurry, you're trying to make sure you're keeping social distance, you don't want somebody near you, and you forget that uh, 
while for us it's easy to just run in and run out of the store, uh, the people who are working there don't get to run in and uh, run out. From the 414, what about the truck drivers who keep this country moving? Uh, you haven't had a day off through all of this. Yeah, I mentioned truck drivers early in the conversation because they are the people who are getting things to where we need them. So don't forget about the tradespeople keeping facilities such as hospitals running. And uh, finally, from the 414, Joe Biden is the most admired to that person. So there you go. If you want to keep uh, sending those in, we'll revisit that throughout the, uh, throughout the afternoon. A lot of votes for healthcare workers, right? We've all been uh, we've all been talking about how we admire the healthcare workers, how they're going above and beyond, how they're working these long shifts uh, without a lot of protection, especially at the beginning. If you remember at the beginning of all this, when New York was still the epicenter of the pandemic, every night at seven o'clock, people would hang out their windows, they'd bang on pots and pans. Uh, I happened to be in Manhattan at the end of April picking my daughter up to bring her back. She had, uh, she had been working in Manhattan and was taking a job somewhere else. So we went to get her. And uh, first of all, it was surreal to be in Manhattan at the height of the pandemic because um, the streets were empty. It was very strange. But it was surreal to hear the at 7 o'clock the banging of the pans and the horns and the whistles and everything. It was really, really cool. And we've all, you know, we've all talked about how these people are doing such heroic work and how we couldn't do this without them. And there's people who are saying, you know, we, we feel bad. We feel bad because they don't have the equipment they need and all of this. And yet we hear from these people, doctors, nurses, uh, technicians, healthcare professionals of all sorts, telling us how we can protect ourselves, how we can protect others. And there is still a level of the population that doesn't want to either believe them or doesn't want to do what they're saying because we don't want to live, quote-unquote, in fear. We're not going to be told what to do. So I don't know how we can do both. How can we admire healthcare workers and the work they're doing and yet completely disregard what they're saying. The reason I say this is another, we've, there's been a ton of videos, but the newest video uh, has just gone viral. It's from a California nurse and she's pleading with us. And it sounds like this. I don't know how else to say this, but I'm begging you guys, please stop being careless. We have no ventilators for patients. We have no sedating medications. Patients are dying like flies. We're full. We're at max capacity. We have, we have no resources. We have no staff. Our doctors can't even intubate because they have like 40 patients each. It's like a war zone, and we're asking for help, and help's not coming. And nurses are getting all these messages saying, you signed up for this. We didn't sign up to watch patients die because we physically cannot help them. So please stop being careless. Please stay home during the holidays because it's only going to get worse. All right, you hear this plea. This, uh, this woman is a surgical intensive care nurse in California. It's been viewed uh, over a million times as of yesterday. How do you feel when you hear this? You hear this this woman in tears 
in the video, if you haven't seen it, she's in her scrubs. She's obviously at work. How do you feel? 855-616-1620. We'll talk about that and how we can admire healthcare workers and yet disregard what they're saying. We'll get to your thoughts on the other side. It's WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, we've been uh, talking about healthcare workers and how they are people that uh, need to be admired, which they do. They've been doing uh, doing a job that most of us would not want to do during this pandemic. Uh, and we played a, a viral video. Now, healthcare workers have been using TikTok a lot lately. I am not I am not a TikTok person. I don't understand it. I mean, I know what it is. I've seen some videos. I watched this video, but uh medical workers across many fields have been using TikTok since the uh, since the pandemic started and talking a lot now recently about the vaccine trial participants. Uh they're trying to debunk misinformation about vaccines. Several of those videos are garnering millions of views. This video that we were talking about by a surgical intensive care nurse has been viewed uh, 1.3 million times as of Monday. I'm going to play it again for you because I want you to hear this, and I'm wondering how it makes you feel and how you think we can talk about respecting and admiring healthcare workers and then really disregarding messages like this and many others that we've heard. Kyle, if you could run that again, please. I don't know how else to say this, but I'm begging you guys, please stop being careless. We have no ventilators for patients. We have no sedating medications. Patients are dying like flies. We're full. We're at max capacity. We have we have no resources. We have no staff. Our doctors can't even intubate because they have like 40 patients each. It's like a war zone, and we're asking for help, and help's not coming. And nurses are getting all these messages saying, you signed up for this. We didn't sign up to watch patients die because we physically cannot help them. So please stop being careless. Please stay home during the holidays because it's only going to get worse. So I played this just before the break, and I asked how it made you feel. 855-616-1620. And this is the first text that I got. And I'll, I'll read it without comment because it, I don't think it justifies a comment, uh, which I guess in itself is a comment. From the 414, she sounds like a drama queen that's in the wrong profession. I'm just going to leave that there while I say hello to Theodore in Milwaukee. Hi, Theodore. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm well. What do you think about this? How does this make you feel? First of all, does that guy even know what it's like to be a nurse? I'm guessing that person has never uh, never been in that position, hopefully has never been in a hospital and counted on a nurse, and uh, I pray that they've never had to watch people die all alone from a disease that we're trying to learn about. But, you know, that's that's that person has to live with that, with them. My dad's girlfriend passed away, which she allowed herself to pass away, and I was uh, told that she was she she had like ammonia or something i don't know and then i found out from my other brother because i got three of them said that she actually had covid and she was a nurse not not a new one you know not one that's actually practicing now but she had a career in that yeah so this is something what do you are you getting um 
Are you getting immune to hearing these kind of things because we're hearing a lot of these from medical people, or is this something that you think people need to pay a little more attention to? I think they need to pay a little more attention, but I also understand the government can only move so fast. Right. You know? Well, th- th- and thankfully, the vaccines are starting to roll out, so... Government should be reaching out to her if she's getting that many videos begging for help. Yeah. No, and that's been... That's been the problem since this started. Theodore, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. Uh, Mike is in Madison. Hi, Mike. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, let me just say, I, I clearly, clearly feel for her. She is struggling, and and in her world, that is very real. And so I think it it's fair to say that, you know, just from a humanity standpoint, we need to care about this. I think where there's a disconnect, though, with the general public and where there's frustration, is that isn't the reality everywhere. And right. so I think people, I think people get frustrated with videos like this because it's anecdotal, although very real to her. Um, you know, my reaction to it is that I care about what she's saying. I certainly would like to help her, but I don't like when it's applied broad stroke. And and I would go so far as to say, I mean, we know a lot of people that are in the healthcare industry, and and they have different uh, reactions to things like this, but. There's a real risk of PTSD for someone like her and others, and, and we just really we have to be compassionate to her. But at the same time, her reality is not the U.S.'s reality. So I just, I just think it's, I think it, I think we need a little bit more balanced perspective versus just a, you know, viral video like this. As much as I care about what she's saying. Well, and Mike, I, I respect what you're saying, and yes, she is in California, where right now they're saying there are no ICUs. There's no ICU space. The state is being hit hard at the beginning. It was New York with the same thing, and we heard from healthcare workers yeah. there. And while it's not, while that level of emergency is not happening everywhere, there is an emergency across the country. Now, Wisconsin luckily yeah. has gone down with hospitalization, so that's that's good news. But you know, rural hospitals are at their brink. It, it is happening everywhere, and I Absolutely. think sometimes the extreme is needed just to raise awareness everywhere. To even if it yeah. helps I mean, I, stop other places I, from going to that level. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, especially in rural. I mean, they have what five to ten beds in some towns. Yeah. But I, I would say, you know, one thing just you know, and I and I, I tried to look a little bit at some of the posts that people are reacting to. Again, it's anecdotal, but. But it isn't necessarily true that all those hospitals in California are struggling. A lot of that data is actually coming out, and you can find it and dig it up. And, and, and the rates aren't at 100%. Again, I think in her world it's very real, and I think it's very – I think we need to be responsive to that. But at the same time, I think that's probably where you'll see people struggle with this conversation because it, even in California, the, it isn't as blown up as her viewpoint is. And and again, I mean, I, I really feel bad for her. I think I think she's in a tough spot. Well, Mike, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. Uh, have a great day. Uh, somebody from the 262 agreeing with Mike. Mike stated very articulately exactly what I am feeling and thinking, balanced and compassionate. Uh, Brian, we all need to hear more of those workers talking to us. I know people are fatigued by all this stuff. I am too. But people need to stop uh, tuning out the health care workers and listen to them. Yes, California is a mess. Thank God the rest of the country isn't like that. But even so, we need to listen to these people. Uh, from the 262, I'm ashamed of the self-centeredness of uh, these anti-mask idiots. Yes, I wear a mask. I feel that bra- another 262, I feel that America has gone insane between the radical individualists, COVID deniers, and rabid extremists on both ends of the political spectrum. When we come back, oh my, are you still disinfecting everything?
Are you still rubbing down your groceries and your counters and everything? Eh, that might not be the best move. We'll discuss on the other side. It's WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Are you still disinfecting? Remember the run on uh, wipes? Everybody was trying to find wipes. They're still still kind of tough to find. You can find them every, uh, every once in a while. But everybody was disinfecting everything. I was not one of these. Uh, I didn't wipe down my groceries. Kyle, did you wipe down every package that came to your house? Did you wipe down all the groceries when you got them home? Now, I'm not talking about fruit. We all we all wash our fruit and our vegetables. But I'm talking like a box of cereal. I never wiped that down. Well, we don't really need to do that anymore. According to health researchers, say wearing masks and washing your hands is often uh, is more important than wiping down surfaces when it comes to protecting yourself from the coronavirus. Uh, scientists have learned a lot about it this year, how it's transmitted. It turns out all that scrubbing and disinfecting might not be necessary. So you're telling me all the wipes that I've been stockpiling, I may not really need? I've got a, I've got a whole shed full of wipes. That's not true. I have, I have a couple, you know, a couple things of wipes. Um, if a person is in, if a person infected with coronavirus sneezes, coughs, or talks loudly, droplets containing particles of the virus can travel through the air and eventually land on nearby surfaces. We know that, right? Sure. But the risk of getting infected from touching a surface contaminated by the virus is low, according to a microbiologist at Rutgers University. Quote, in hospitals, surfaces have been tested near COVID-19 patients and no infectious virus can be identified. Uh, what's found is viral RNA which is like the corpse of a virus, so the zombie virus. That's what's left over after the virus dies. So there's not infectious virus, and that's because the virus is very fragile in the environment. So now, uh, you know, we, we, thought we, all had to, uh, we thought we all had to be doing all that, but now eh, you don't really have to scrub your groceries anymore. You don't have to scrub your packages when they come. On the other side of the news, what is the worst mistake you have ever made at work, and what happened? Because there was a doozy in Grafton yesterday. Uh, we'll get to all of that, but right now it is 1.30, and we're going to go to the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yes, welcome back. Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner uh, through Thursday. Before the news, we were talking about this uh, viral video from an intensive care nurse in California that has gone viral. She was uh, crying, saying, uh, you know, how bad things were. And we had some, some comments that, uh, you know, and one caller in particular who was very articulate, Mike made a lot of good points, but said this was not uh, necessarily, while it was her reality, it wasn't necessarily everybody's reality. And uh, Chrissy from Beaver Dam texted in, tell my daughter and her residence family that it's not reality. As she came home and comes home in tears every day, a person dies alone. So it is, it is tough. And from the 262, my mother died from COVID on December 15th. Very sorry for your loss, uh, texter. The hospital staff was amazing. I can't believe your first texter was so callous. I hope he or she never has to go through what we went through. Yes, that's, uh, I think that would be everybody's, everybody's wish. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's turn our focus a little bit, maybe a little bit more inward, and think about your time as a working individual, all the jobs you've had, and what is the worst mistake you have ever made at work? 855-616-1620. The worst mistake you have made at work, and what consequences did you face when you made that mistake? Uh, Kyle, I will uh, I will throw it to you. You can, if you need to think about it, 
I'll give you some time to think about it, but I want to know your worst mistake. And it doesn't have to be here at WTMJ because so far, as far as I can tell, you are uh, flawless. You make no mistakes here. But maybe in another job uh, that you've had, you've made some erroneous uh, moves. Oh, no. I can think of immediately, right off the bat, something (laughs) happening here at WTMJ. Uh, Well, way back in the day when I first started, this is probably three, almost four years ago, um, I was a night person and a weekend guy, uh, so I would do the weekend morning news. Uh, Saturday starts at 5 a.m. and goes to 7. Um, So normally you got to be in, you know, around 4, 4.30 a.m. just to get everything set and ready to go. And I think it was my first morning doing... Producing the show all by myself, and um, I woke up. Gosh, I want to say at four fifty-five, uh, so five mm. five minutes before showtime. And luckily, we weren't. This is back in the days before automated programming for us in the overnights. So we had right. somebody here able to, you know, be in the chair and do something. But holy <laughs> smokes! I mean, I I got out of bed. I was, uh, I mean, a sweaty mess just from the stress and the anxiety of being late uh, in my, like, first shift by myself. Um, but holy smokes, yeah, that, that strikes strikes a chord of fear in you when you wake up and say, oh, well, i got to be there in five minutes, and I know I'm not going to be there <laughs> in time. But, um, but here I am, still doing the job, still working at WTMJ, so it all worked out, I guess. That all worked out. One mistake, they didn't, uh, they didn't send you packing. That's, that's good, you know. Well, it's always nice. <laughs> I think they also needed somebody to do the 5 a.m. show <laughs> at Saturdays and be like, you know, we, we can't really find somebody to do it in the next week or two, so we'll, we'll keep you on board. Uh, and, I, and I guess I, I made up for that for that mistake in time. Listen, whatever it was that kept you, even if it was the fact that there was nobody else who would do it. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting sweaty thinking about the anxiety <laughs> that I experienced. This is bringing back just horrible memories. That one I can I can relate to that one because it, my first one of my first radio jobs I was doing mornings in a small market in Southern Illinois, and it was one of these uh, tiny stations, and I was supposed to be on the air at six, and I woke up at six thirty, and thankfully the engineer, who lived you know I only lived half a mile from the station, so I was there at. 6.45, but that's still 45 minutes after I was supposed to be on the air. The engineer had gone in and just started playing some records and playing a couple of tapes, so I, you know, I was covered, and I think I got to stay the same reason you did, Kyle. There was nobody else who wanted to do it. So it's like, yeah, that's the right. that's sort of the luck of the gig where you can sort of screw up a little bit, uh, but not so much where they absolutely have to get rid of you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think if you go in and you knock the station off the air uh, permanently, then you're you're out. Uh, something like that. But the reason I bring this up, and I know some of our stories will be funny, some will be uh, a little more serious, and this this is serious to a certain extent, but yesterday uh, the Aurora Medical Center in Grafton had to throw away 500 doses of the Moderna vaccine. They had to do this on Saturday after the virals were kept unrefrigerated unf- for too long. A uh, statement said someone removed 50 vials from a refrigerator to access other items. Man, you can't put the virus in what they put it in front of their, uh, you know, their yogurt. Oh, man, where's my yogurt? All right, hold on. Let me move this vaccine. I'll just, uh, oh, now i got to dig into my Yoplait. I don't, and they forgot to put it back in. So overnight on Friday, these came out. Each vial contains 10 doses of the vaccine. An internal investigation found the failure was a, quote, unintended human error. So accident, which happens, 
You just don't want it happening now with the vaccine, but it did. Uh, clinicians were still able to administer some of the vaccine from the vials uh, within an allowable 12-hour post-refrigeration window. They had to throw the rest of it away uh, because once the vaccine is thawed, it cannot be refrozen. refrozen. Uh, at Advocate Aurora, they've vaccinated about 17,000 of their employees already over the last 12 days. A total of 39,501 doses of the vaccine have been administered in Wisconsin, according to state health officials. officials. Most of those were the Pfizer vaccine. About 4,000 were the Moderna vaccine. So one, you've got to imagine that this person who left this stuff out feels awful. Because, uh, you know, you get that you get the call at home, hey, Bob, uh, remember last night when we sent you to the freezer to get out that stuff and uh, you had to move the vaccine? Yes. Yeah, you forgot to put it away. We had to throw it all out. 500 doses. 50 vials. Oh, no. You know Bob, not his real name. We don't know if it was a man or a woman. Just in case somebody's working at Aurora named Bob, I don't want, you, I don't want all of a sudden all your coworkers and everybody, uh, everybody at the place to start looking at you. That person has to feel awful. And then you have to immediately think, I'm getting fired, right? This is, this is too serious of an accident. Some things you can, you know, you oversleep, you come in late, that's fine. But all of a sudden... You're the person who costs 500 doses of vaccine. you got to be worried. Now, it doesn't say what's going on. It sounds like unintended human error. I don't know corporate speak, but that means it's just they've chalked it up to an accident and things are just going to go on from there. Which, I, you know, accidents happen. Are there accidents that uh, cannot be come back, you know, that you can't recover from? Probably. You know, I'm sure there are. So, two things we're looking at here. I want to hear your worst mistake at work and how you how it was dealt with. And two, uh, is this something that should be overlooked? You know, does this person get a, uh, a write-up? Do they get a couple days suspension? Do they get fired? What do you think is the fitting punishment or the fitting, you know, uh, fitting outcome for this story? 500 doses. And I've got... I've got a couple more. I told you the uh, I told you the oversleeping for the radio story, but I have a couple others, a uh, couple other big mistakes at work. Because contrary to popular belief, I am fallible. I am not, uh, you know, I'm not a guy who is perfect. I make some some doozies, so I'll share those with you. And I want to hear yours. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. The worst mistake you've made at work. It's WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Somebody left out uh, 50 vials of the Moderna vaccine at the Aurora Medical Center in Grafton on Saturday. 500 doses had to be thrown away. That's a pretty big, pretty big screw up at work. What is your biggest screw up at work and how was it dealt with? Uh, We don't know. Somebody texted in, hey, uh, is this uh, person at Aurora going to get fired? We don't know. Uh, They chalked it up to unintended human error, which out of corporate speak to me seems like they said, well, it was an accident. They moved it out of the freezer to get something else and then forgot to put it back in. Could happen to anybody, I guess. Uh, In this day and age, you don't want vaccine to have to be thrown away. So, 
we don't know if they're getting fired or not, but but do you think it would be fitting for them to get fired? Uh, what punishment do you think, if any, that they should receive? But I really want to share some stories and hear your stories about your biggest screw-up at work. Uh, Ron's in Menominee Falls. Hi, Ron. Good, uh, good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thanks. How'd you screw up? Well, I was uh, 16 years old, which was a long time ago, probably 50 years ago, and I was working in a restaurant by Mayfair, and my boss came up to me and said, uh, there's some uh, uh, soda syrup that used to store in the in the boxes that you put into the into the machine for you know for the soda, yeah, and it leaked out of a box and it was on the floor, so it was real sticky and a little hard to get off. So I mixed up a bucket of water and bleach, and I started got got down on my hands and knees and started scrubbing it off, and it wouldn't come off. So I went and I got a bottle of ammonia and poured that in the bucket, and not knowing that ammonia and bleach uh, create chlorine gas, which is poisonous, and so we got into the ventilation system and cleaned out the whole restaurant. Oh my god! And so and I, I and I passed out on the floor, and they found me down there and got me out. Um, so of course I I went to the emergency room and I was okay, but I didn't get fired. What they did? Did they? How did they deal with it? Did they just tell you be more careful? What they do? Well, they just I didn't know that the, that that combination of bleach and ammonia was poisonous, and my they just said never do that. You know, never mix it again. <laughs> so it was just an honest mistake. But right. Uh, like I said, the, the 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 patrons in the restaurant started getting up out of their out of their seats and getting out because they were starting to cough and everything, and oh, uh, that was embarrassing for me, I guess. Yeah, that's great. But listen, you learned something that you you had missed in chemistry class, so that's that's good, right? <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah, and you're and thankfully you're okay, and everybody was okay, and I think your boss handled it correctly, uh, Ron. Listen, don't mix any chemicals over the new year, and uh, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. All right, uh, let's see. From the 501, how should how should this person at Aurora be dealt with? Uh, if you forget to put the vaccine back in the freezer, you go to the back of the line. Fair enough. Uh, your worst screw-ups at work from the 414. Way back when, I, when, way back when I was young, I worked at a car wash. I needed to fill a five-gallon bucket with car wash soap out of a 55-gallon drum that had what I thought was a little bit of soap in it. So I tipped the drum over to fill the bucket, walked away for a while. I realized about an hour later that I hadn't checked on it, and there were about three gallons of car soap all over the floor and into the boss's carpeted office. It was a mess. It took me hours to squirt it down uh, with the hose and use a vacuum cleaner on the carpet. I thought I was going to get fired immediately, but they kept me around because I showed up every day. Sometimes that's all it takes. You just have to prove that you're going to hang around, you're going to keep showing up to do the job, and, uh, you know, that's it. Now, one of mine, when I was in college, uh, between, you know, uh, like summer vacation and actually when I first got out of college, I was working for a contractor. And it was one of those jobs where I was kind of on call. They, they used me all the time, but there were certain days they would have me go uh, to a site, or there were certain days I would come into the office, and one of the days they sent me with the uh, the big company pickup truck to pick something up at a uh, I forget where it was, but I had to back the truck in between a building and another truck, and it was very very narrow, very narrow. And uh, I was not very good at backing up the truck, and so the truck. Uh, either banged into the wall or banged into the other truck, and I put a small dent in the uh, in the company pickup truck. And I get back, 
And before I could even say something, the boss is like, what's that? I go, oh, that's a, you know, a dent. I was backing up and, it, you know, screwed up. Mysteriously, I did not get any calls after that to come, uh, to come to work. I never was told I was fired. I just was never called again. So I think, uh, you know, that was, that one I got, uh, that one I was, uh, I'm going to say I was let go. Another one, I was working at a finance company for a while, and I was uh, sending out something to the press from uh, the boss. And I put the wrong number in there. And I had proofread it. I thought it was, thought it was correct. And um, somebody responded to the press release. And as I was talking to them, I quoted the other number, the correct number. And they were like, well, that's not what they said. I was like, oh, well, that's, well my boss uh, overheard me. And uh, while I kept my job, I did take a horrible dressing down from the uh, from the boss. So that was and and he did it in front of everybody else, which is not never uh, not a good managerial style. I will say, if you have to dress down an employee, you should probably do it in private. Not that I didn't deserve to be dressed down. I had made a I had made a big mistake. Uh, they didn't fire me, but it was uh, it was embarrassing on a number of counts. Um, Somebody pointing out saying the fridge at uh, Aurora needs to be for vaccine only. That would be an easy fix. Yes, it's got to stay frozen. So you get you get one freezer. That's it. Um, some of your other your other big mistakes. Uh, I'm a cleaning lady, and once I drop my iPhone in a bucket. Oh, hold on, uh, in a bucket of water, and and I want step my entire foot into the bucket of water. That's not good. Like, uh, maybe you need to get a bucket with a cover on it. Not having good. Jeff said, I sent this wiring diagram to colleagues before I realized the push button at the bottom looks like a woman's boob. Well, it does. He sent me a, a, you know, a picture of this. It does, it does have boobish qualities, I will say, Jeff. It's not, uh, you know, still looks like a button, but I guess if you've, if you've got that mindset, I can see what you're saying. Bruce says, my first job at 15 and a half was at a car detailing shop. That was in Elm Grove at the time. My boss asked me to move a customized tour bus about 20 feet. Uh oh. While backing it up, I unknowingly rolled over a Ford Escort. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bruce. I don't mean to laugh. Um, but I, I'm going to. I did not even have a driver's license yet. The Escort put up no fight. Never even felt it. But, Bruce, did you get to keep your job? That is the, that is the question. Did you get to keep your job? Uh, Let's see, Lou says, uh, Noonan, back in the early 90s, I was a young kid working my first professional job in inside sales for a major electric motor company. Back then, when a manufacturer ordered a custom industrial electrical motor from us, we had to hand-write the order and fax it to the factory where it was made, and six to eight weeks later, the customer would get the motor. Well, on one $50,000 motor, I wrote up the order wrong, and it turned into a very expensive paperweight, and the customer had to order and wait for another. Uh, boss was a great guy. He forgave me and my $16,000 a year salary, and I am still in the industry today. I'm liking that a lot of these bosses are very understanding. It kind of goes against the Mr. Potter vibe of, uh, you know, or the Mr. Burns vibe that we have that everybody who's a boss is going to be uh, just heartless. So, so far, it seems like I'm the only one who got fired for <laughs> For my mistake. Everybody else seems to be doing all right. Uh, if you want to share your story of your worst mistake at work and how it was 
worked out. 855-616-1620. We've got a couple more coming in. We'll do those on the other side. It's WTMJ. Talking about your worst mistake at work, Denise is in McQuanago. Hi, Denise. Hi there. Most embarrassing, I was a young apprentice, and the first woman on the job, I'm retired now, I was an electrician, and um, we maintained traffic signals. So I was with my journeyman, and we had just put up a knockdown traffic signal, and I neglected to turn the power off for the hoist mounted on the back of the truck. So as we were driving on the freeway, the relay that controlled it was clicking away, and the hoist kept going up, unbeknownst to us. And as we got to the overpass at 43 and Keefe, the hoist hit the bridge and pulled the back end off the truck. Oh. I don't mean to laugh. What did they, what did they do yeah, to you, well, Denise? Did you get to keep well, your job? I kept my job. I think they felt sorry for me. <laughs> Unbelievable! I, I did feel sorry for the the man in the car behind us, though. I think he wet himself. I can imagine. <laughs> I, yeah, that would be a little terrifying. Denise, thank you for the call. Sandy in uh, Mequon, before we go to the news, what's your biggest screw-up at work, Sandy? Well, I'm calling for my friend. When he was 18, he worked for a company in Grafton driving a forklift, and the employee bathroom was filled with graffiti. So one day the owner said, have someone paint over that, which an employee did. My husband thought he'd be funny and went in there and wrote all my beautiful work down the drain on the wall. <laughs> so the next day, the, the, empl- the employer called all of the employees into the office and said, I want everyone to write down all my beautiful work down the drain. So everyone did, and my husband got busted because he misspelled beautiful again. <laughs> and he was fired. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry he was fired. Uh, I'm also sorry he didn't learn how to spell beautiful. Uh, but thank you, Sandy, for sharing that story. Uh, it's That's very hilarious. All right, on the other side of the news, we're getting some laughs out of these stories. There were some good things that happened in 2020. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about when we come back after the news. Right now, we do go at 2 o'clock to the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom where the man I misidentified before, Alex Crow, is standing by. Alex, my apologies for uh, 1.30. But uh, let's say that name again. Alex Crow has the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan. Final hour of the big show. Uh, before we went to the news, we were talking about your biggest screw-ups at work. I wanted to share one more story coming in from the 262 uh, these have, these have all been great, and thank you for sharing them. I started working for a garage door company 25 years ago, and my very first job on my own, I put a garage door in for a customer and lifted it up too high without the braces on the uh, tracks that hang down from the ceiling. When I did that, the whole garage door came down and landed flat like a pancake on the floor. The company supplied me with a cell phone, and I made a call, and they told me to come back in and grab another garage door. I left the cell phone on my back bumper and drove off. Minutes later, I realized I didn't have my telephone and stopped, and it was not there. I turned around to drive back to the house. Uh, A school bus had just come by and driven over my phone. 25 years later, I'm still working for the same company. That is amazing. 
because just from the story up to that certain point, it didn't sound like you were very good at that job, 262. Uh, but obviously you have gotten much, much better because 25 years you're still doing it. So congratulations on uh, on the longevity. And congratulations on 25 years at the same place. Uh, that's pretty good. All right, now, when we look back on 2020, it's going to be hard not to focus on all the bad things, the pandemic being one of them, and everything that came from the pandemic, whether it's losing a job, businesses closing, all these horrible, horrible things. And sometimes, I know I'm one of these people, I have trouble uh, expressing gratitude and looking at the bright side. Not that I'm always pessimistic, but there, you know, this year it's hard to see the good. But there was an interesting piece in the uh, Journal Sentinel today um, about good things that happened in 2020, and taking, you know, looking at the year from a different perspective, pulling back a little bit, and realizing, okay, yes, there were a lot of really horrible things that happened, uh, but on the simplest level. If you haven't gotten sick yet, that's that's a good thing. If nobody in your family has gotten sick or, God forbid, died from this, that's a really good thing. So there are good things that happened in 2020, and I want to hear yours. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What are the good things that happened to you during 2020? So here's here's some of the examples. Um, they, these are, these are from followers of the journal Sentinel on social media. They were asked to tell them some good things. So here are some of their answers. Uh, they listed these under important milestones, you know, 2020 will be remembered for this person graduating from college. That is a, that is a very good thing to remember. And it was difficult. You know, if you think back to April and May, when all of a sudden, all the work from whether it was high school or college, now all of a sudden you were you didn't get to walk through your graduation ceremonies. We had to do it virtually or we had to do it other ways. But you still graduated, so congratulations. Uh, another good thing for one of these uh, respondents, I met my girlfriend pre-COVID, and we're going to be celebrating our nine-month anniversary next week. Well, congratulations. Love in the time of COVID or love that happened prior to COVID. Uh, I bought a house with my boyfriend. That is a huge, huge thing. So good for you. Uh, I graduated this year and ready to start college spring of 2021. Congrats. Bought our first house and welcome baby number two. It's another good. So see, there are there are really good things. We bought a home, uh, an adorable Bernadoodle puppy named Jovi. Bernadoodle. That is a breed I have not heard of. Um, I had my first baby. She has brought so much joy into our lives. So these are just some of the uh, some of the good things from the two six two. My grandson was born in September, and he's a huge Packer fan already. Is that right? Good for him. He's only a couple months old. A huge Packer fan. I like that. Uh, Judy is in Heartland. Hi, Judy. Hi. So, what good things happened to you in twenty twenty? I had two new great grandchildren in twenty twenty. Congratulations. Great grandchildren. Holy cow. Boys, girls, what'd you have? One of each? Um, one of each. See, and that's that brings too. a total brings a total to nine. 
nine great-grandchildren? You bet. Wow. Well, congratulations. That, so there is good to be found as we look back at this horrible year. Judy, congratulations. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that. All right, let's take a quick break. I want to hear your good news from 2020, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm Brian, in for Jeff, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Talking about the good things that happened to you in 2020. We know there are some things that have happened uh, that are good, even though we tr- seem to be focusing more on the, uh, you know, on the bad stuff, which is not hard to uh, not hard to believe. From uh, let's go to Nick. He's in Germantown. Hi, Nick. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. What good things happened to you in 2020? I got married on February 29th. Bought a house in june and we just got our first dog so it's been quite a year wow that is a big year and you did this all with the the pandemic raging that is uh that is nice what kind of what kind of dog did you get it's a uh german shepherd uh yeah it's a german shepherd very nice well congratulations nick that is definitely that is definitely a lot to celebrate and be grateful for have a great day Thank you. You as well. Uh, some of the good things that happened from the 920, the president got the vaccine out in seven months, world record time. So, yes, that is very good news. Uh, from the 262, our small church didn't hold services for months and had no online church. We have now been attending church in Oklahoma, Oshkosh, and Nebraska online. So that's cool. You get to see uh, you get to see the world from your own house, or get to see the country from your own house while going to church. That's very cool. That is uh, that is definitely good news. And people, I think, let's throw this out. I think uh, the fact that more people have been exposed and learned how to use technology is a good thing. You know, the fact that we've had to count on it, whether it's Zoom or FaceTime or any of the many kind of uh, digital meeting things. That's. You know, you could argue that that's a bad thing, but the fact that listen, the fact that my mom, who's eighty three, could learn to operate Zoom from her cell phone and have conversations with my brothers and I all over the country, I think that's a pretty good thing. Kyle, what good thing happened to you in twenty twenty, or good things? Well, I guess if I had to sort of keep it in the realm of uh, either, I guess what the pandemic brought me, or, or keeping things with family, the one thing that I didn't really have. Uh, established as like a habit is open communication with uh, some extended family members. You know, I never really uh, would call my grandfather or my aunts and uncles, but didn't really have that kind of communication with them. I don't know. I would see them, you know, I would see them when I saw them, uh, sure. which is, you know, three or four times a year, but I wouldn't really call them to check up on them. And that definitely changed once, uh, I think once March and everything started settling in in April, it was like, okay, I'm, I might not be seeing these people for a while. I should tr- sort of check in and see how they're doing and, and sort of, uh, let them know how my life is going too, and just, uh, have that communication with them. That's very nice. Reach out to people. That's uh, yeah, I like that. That's very good. A lot of people picked up new hobbies uh, during the pandemic and during 2020. Uh, more respondents from the Journal Sentinel uh, social media post. We bought bikes and we're on the trails at least twice a week. Good companionship and good exercise. I saw parts of Milwaukee I had never seen before. Uh, exploring several of our state parks and appreciated more quality time socially distanced in the yard with our neighbors is another one from the 608 we were able to take a trip to the grand tetons in yellowstone and because of covid it wasn't very crowded 
That's always nice. Anytime you can take a trip somewhere and it's not crowded. Uh, this has been a year where we have not been able to travel, uh, which has been a little bit rugged. Uh, we did go down. We took a uh, drove down when I told you we went to New York to pick up our daughter and bring her back before she started her new job, and then we helped her move down to uh, her new place. So that was that was nice. From the nine two zero, we went to uh, Mexico to a resort for a week at the end of February. Shot a seventeen point buck deer season, and the Packers will be going to the Super Bowl. So a lot of good things for the nine two zero. Uh, we'll wait and see if that third thing comes to fruition. But listen, hope springs eternal. You keep your fingers crossed. Uh, if they get past the Bears on Sunday, it's you know one more step in the right direction. Uh, I was the one that texted about my grandson being born in September, being a huge Packer fan. Uh, felt I needed to show you the proof. And there's the baby all, all Packer geared out. So thank you for sharing that picture. Uh, from the 414, some good things that happened to them this year. New job making more money. A new car. My nephew was born. Another nephew was conceived. Grandma moved to Wisconsin. Went to Aruba in March. Ten-year wedding anniversary with my wife. And, oh, I won my fantasy football league. That guy has a a wealth of good things in 2020. So, see, as, as fixated as we are on the bad stuff that happened, and it's easy not to be. You know, if you lost your job, if, you, if you're having trouble, it's hard to look past that and be grateful and realize... Well, not everything was bad. There has to be one good thing. From the 414, we now have a savings account. First time in 35 years of marriage. Did not go anywhere, so I was able to save. See? That's a good thing, too. There's there's always always something. And I am not, listen, I am not Pollyanna. I'm not one of these guys who's going to go, Oh, yes, everything's, there's always a bright side. Uh, listen, most of the time I don't see a bright side. I am not that guy, but I think it's important, especially now as the year has started and to step back and look at it and go, eh, eh, okay. So for me, the good thing was being able to being able to help uh, get my daughter home, watching her get a new job uh, and uh, move down there, going to uh, Mardi Gras in February, right before this all started. Uh, and being on a Mardi Gras crew was a great thing that happened to me this year. Uh, the fact that my family is healthy is a good thing that happened this year. Uh, we got a grand pup. My daughter got a dog, and now it's he's been at the house for a few weeks. So that has been fun. So there's a lot, um, a lot going on. Has there been bad stuff? Of course there has, just like everybody else. Uh, Jill in West Dallas, today I got my COVID vaccination. In September, I moved. I've been wanting to move for many years. I love my new place. I'm so happy. Well, we're happy for you, Jill. Congratulations. Uh, there has been, uh, we talked about accidents at work before, but this is uh, this could have been uh, a horrible, horrible tragedy. And uh, thankfully, it was not completely horrible. But, uh, you know, in this day and age, it's a little worrisome. What am I talking about? Well, you'll have to hang out. I'll tell you after this on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Remember uh, back in March, and really through most of the summer, it was hard to find toilet paper. And when you would when you would find it, it would you had to fight your worst instinct to start hoarding it. Uh, well, this had to be very quiet. This happened in Canada the other day, Christmas morning, quiet for the firefighters in Canamore, which is in Alberta. 
But then Sunday came around, and about 2.50 a.m., the local fire department was called out to the Trans-Canada Highway uh, because a semi-truck and trailer were on fire. That's horrible. What was in the semi-truck and trailer? Yes, it was a truck full of toilet paper. Oh, my God. Not that, it, not that you want anything to burn, but a truckload of toilet paper during a pandemic? Forget about it. Uh, we responded to a report of a tractor-trailer fire uh, roughly in line with where Alpine Helicopters is located, according to the police. Upon arrival, the back end of the trailer was involved in fire and smoke. Uh, our crews went to knock it down right away. They turn out uh, it was toilet paper. Seems like to be a mechanical issue in the undercarriage in the rear of the trailer. The firefighters valiantly tried to save as much of the inventory as they could. But as you can imagine, with uh, a load of paper, it went up very fast. They looked at this as an essential supply, so they were doing all they could. The fire department said, quote, We tried to save what we could, but between the fire and the water, it was almost a complete loss. Oh, adding the metaphor, adding... The metaphor the situation presented at the tail end of 2020 was not lost on anyone. I think even though it was heavy work, everyone was having a wee bit of a chuckle about what we were trying to save. Every toilet paper roll is sacred these days, and we did our best to save what we could. Uh, The driver was okay. Everything was fine there. But the toilet paper, a complete loss. So now I don't know what the poor people in Alberta are going to be doing because, uh, you know, things are... Things are still drastic. I'll, I will confess that last time I was at Sam's Club, I saw they had their toilet paper. And I, I'm a fan of the giant bulk packaging of Sam's toilet paper. The members market lasts us a long time here in the house. Uh, we weren't at the point where we really needed more. We still had a little ways to go, but I'm not going to lie to you. I saw it, and since it is not always there when you need it, I picked up an extra package. Kyle, where do you fall on the hoarding the toilet paper? Are you are you pro hoarding toilet paper, or are you one of these guys you buy one roll at a time and you just roll the dice? Uh, is there a, is there a middle? Because I'm definitely not hoarding it <laughs> or or buying singular rolls of toilet paper at a time. I feel like that's more psychotic than hoarding a little bit. But I think um, that's true too. Where you're just you're just willing to you're willing to gamble yeah, every day. Yeah, I didn't hop on the bandwagon of, of hoarding toilet paper, but it was definitely pasta and I think uh, like ri- natural rising yeast because uh, my Whoa. wife makes a lot of bread and that was okay. gone for I think uh, almost two months. I think yes. where we where we had a we had a limited supply in our cabinet and then we ran out eventually and then when we went looking it was nowhere to be found for at least a month. So. I remember seeing that everybody everybody started baking, and all my friends who were bakers were lamenting the same as you that they couldn't find their yeast anymore. Not good. All right, if you are a coffee lover and you proclaim that, oh my goodness, this this is the best coffee. Uh, guess what? You could be lying, and we're going to uncover that. So we'll do that on the other side of the news. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Noonan in for Jeff. I'll be back tomorrow at noon. Uh, all right. I will confess that I drink a lot of coffee every day. I have a cup of coffee next to me right now. I had about uh, three cups of coffee prior to this, and my daughter was nice enough to bring me a triple Starbucks this morning. So to say I drink a lot of coffee is probably an understatement, which is strange because I didn't drink coffee until I was 30. Uh, never had it, didn't uh, didn't want it, and then we went on our honeymoon, 
and uh, I had some coffee. We were in Jamaica. I had uh, their coffee, and I was like, oh, man, coffee is pretty good. Pretty good. And uh, it's like that scene with Will Ferrell and kicking and screaming. If you've ever seen that movie, there's an obscure movie reference where he started drinking coffee. But there are people who say they love coffee. Now, I don't know if I love coffee, but I drink it. Um, but some new science is coming out that say you might not really love your coffee. Do you really love it, or are you addicted to your coffee? And how much do you drink? And are you a coffee snob? You know, I still believe that if you go to some gas stations, uh, you get the best you get the best coffee. You know, there's. Uh, there's great coffee at truck stops. There's great stuff coffee at gas stations. There's great coffee at uh, some small donut shops. But uh, some people will only drink designer coffee, uh, and they are coffee snobs. But either way, no matter where, where you fall on this, there's a good chance that you are being messed with by your coffee. That's right. Your coffee is messing with your mind. It is making you think that you love your coffee. But no. No, it's fooling you into yearning through the same modes of addiction as other drugs. Now, I don't think of coffee as a drug. I know it's got caffeine in there, which technically is a uh, stimulant, so it's a drug. Uh, But according to researchers at the Friedrich Schiller University in Germany, they wrote, addiction can be characterized as a condition where increases in wanting are not met by concurrent increases in liking. So plain English... The more you uh, the more you want doesn't mean you like it anymore. Like I don't like my fourth cup of coffee any more than I like my first cup of coffee, or my I don't like my first cup of coffee any more than my fourth cup of coffee. They're just it's just coffee. It's I guess a means to an end, but it's also one of those where I realize, and maybe you do too, that no matter how much I'm having, uh, it doesn't really do anything. Their study involves students. 56 students, 24 of them were heavy drinkers, meaning they consumed three or more cups per day. I'd put myself in there. 32 occasional or non-coffee drinkers. Scientists then surveyed participants with a series of images, asking them to divide pictures between those they found pleasant or unpleasant, which included comparisons between coffee and other drinks, as well as non-beverage-related face-off, such as a skull and a puppy. Shouldn't be, <laughs> it should not be hard. To choose between a skull and a puppy, but, you know, that's just me. In each round, the keystroke for positive and negative responses remain the same. So researchers assume that someone who loves coffee would smash that like button as quickly as they do for other agreeable images. They found this wasn't the case. Isn't it lovely that there's money for these kind of crazy studies? i got to get in on some of this. So it wasn't the case. They say habitual consumers of relatively high levels of coffee, at least three cups a day, differed from low to no coffee drinkers to a much stronger degree in wanting the coffee. Wanting being the operative word. So you want coffee. But according to this study, when it came to actually liking the coffee, answers from the coffee consumers and the people who didn't drink coffee were not that different. The current findings, according to them, suggest that caffeine shares crucial properties with other drugs. The main difference between highly addictive drugs like alcohol and cocaine and substances with lower addictive strength like caffeine may be a quantitative rather than a qualitative one. So, that is interesting. 
to me anyway, and probably to you if you drink a lot of coffee. Do you think you want coffee, or do you think you need coffee? And then is it one of those where you have to be brand specific? Jeff says, my favorite is Barris Brothers Banana Nut Muffin. But I also drink uh, instant food club coffee when there's been nothing else around. Yeah, any port in a storm. I mean, when I was on the road, anywhere I would stop, uh, you know, the coffee was a car. Now, granted, some places it's awful. I like quick trip coffee, to be honest with you. If, uh, you know... If I'm driving around and I feel I need a cup of coffee, I I got no problem swinging into a quick trip. Plus, they've got you know they've got all the different things you could put in your coffee, so you could. <laughs> it's coffee, but it's more like a milkshake, right? You get a little you get a little something extra. All right, here here's coffee news. Now, if you thought if you thought you were addicted to regular coffee, what if I told you you could soon get coffee with twenty percent more caffeine? You can get all jacked up and send yourself careening down the highway. Dunkin' Donuts is launching a coffee with 20% more caffeine. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish my coffee had more caffeine? You know? Do you... Do, are you one of these people who drinks either your coffee regular, or do you go to Starbucks or Dunkin' or whatever and get one of these... Uh, they, they might have some coffee in it, but it is more like a milkshake a Frappuccino or a Dunkachino or uh, one of these big whipped-up drinks that you really, all you're tasting is whipped cream and sugar. You don't taste any coffee at all. Well, if a regular cup of coffee is not enough, Dunkin' is launching its extra-charged coffee that has 20% more caffeine. The extra-charged coffee boasts 20% more than the classic hot and iced coffees. It makes its debut December 30th. Just in time for everyone trying to make their drink more caffeine resolution. Yeah, maybe if you're doing sober October or so, dry January, rather not sober October, dry January, you need that extra caffeine, that extra kick, to get yourself going a little crazy. I don't know. I don't think I've never thought to myself, man. I really wish I had some more caffeine. Coffee's just enough. Now, granted, I told you today I had a triple espresso, uh, but I don't feel any more jacked up than I did before. You know, when I was just drinking my regular coffee, which uh, you know, I enjoy quite a bit. All right, there's your coffee news. Now, yesterday I started to tell, I told you I had a story about how KFC was going to help you if you were a gamer. I will share that with you on the other side. Yes, because I know all the gamers are thinking, how can I play my new PS5 if I can't have chicken? Well, don't worry. Help is on the way on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I am not a gamer. I have uh, I know gamers. I'm uniquely uh, affiliated with some gamers, but I am not a gamer. Do you? Are you a gamer, Kyle? Do you like the video games? Uh, I am a video gamer in the sense uh, that I'm like a classic video gamer. I haven't okay. bought a brand new video game. I think in three, two, three years. I I have found the the five or six that work for me. I don't need anything new. Let me ask you this. Uh, when you've been playing your video games, have you ever once thought to yourself, man, you know what would go great with this video game? Some chicken. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, there's usually sometimes, especially when like the wife isn't at home or something, and I'm just in a hours-long video game bender where I think some like fried chicken or something could come in handy. Sure. 
All right, well, good. This is that this is right up your alley. This is something that is going to interest you because I saw it and I thought it was funny, but I thought, is this something that gamers really would want? But uh, KFC has launched a new Intel-powered game console that comes with a built-in chicken chamber to keep your chicken and your snacks warm. Is that something that's, uh, that piques your interest? Where you go, oh, that sounds tasty. My chicken or my pizza rolls? Uh, no. <laughs> um, no, okay. I mean, it, it, hey, if it's if it's like 50 bucks and it has, you know, like some sort of classic arcade game on it, maybe I'd entertain the thought. But if it's going to be, I don't know, hundreds of dollars, uh, it, it better be worth it, I guess. Well, sure. How could it not be? Uh, it's the KFC. It's the KFC console. So the KF console It's part of a partnership with a hardware manufacturer. Uh, the bargain bucket-shaped machine features the world's first built-in chicken chamber, which is kitted out to uh, keep its contents hot, ready for consumption during intense gaming sessions. <laughs> but if you're eating chicken while you're playing your game, aren't your fingers getting too greasy to work the controls? Uh, anyway, your chicken will be kept hot thanks to a custom-built cooling system that keeps the console hardware at a regular temperature while using heat produced by the components to warm the chicken chamber. Boy, I, I have to say, while I think this is ridiculous, I have to salute the people who came up with this because necessity is definitely the mother of invention, and the chicken chamber gaming system, that puts it all into perspective. Uh, the console can handle virtual reality games and offers smooth gameplay thanks to 240 frames per second frame rate and a 4K display compatibility. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds impressive. It's capable of running games at top-level specs, all on top of keeping your meal warm for you to enjoy during your gaming experience. Uh, what's not to like, said the PR and social media rep for KFC UK and Ireland uh, in the company's press release. If Sony or Microsoft want any tips on how to engineer a chicken chamber for their efforts next time, uh, they'd be welcome to get in touch. Boy, oh boy, KFC has come, come a long way. A long way since it was just grab a bucket of chicken, have a barrel of fun, goodbye ho-hum. Back in the, you know, the kernel changed, everything's changed. There's, listen, I like a good piece of chicken, and there's nothing wrong with, uh, with some KFC. But I like to keep everything separate. If I'm doing something uh, with my hands, I don't want chicken on it. Even though every time I'm in the studio, it looks like somebody was eating fried chicken before they used a keyboard, um, which is a little bit crazy. But uh, KFC has gone uh, has gone a little nuts. They're, they you know they team with all kinds of people. They teamed with uh, Crocs. They've got a KFC Crocs bucket clog. So uh, one, uh, if you wear Crocs, uh, yeah, you might need to reevaluate your footwear. If you wear Crocs with a fried chicken print all over it, unless you're working in the chicken industry, it might be something uh, might be something to rethink. So there you go, gamers. Uh, if you're looking for that, KFC, if, you, if you've often thought to yourself, man, oh, man, a tasty uh, drumstick would go good with my uh, Grand Theft Auto, and that's probably a very dated game reference, but uh, there you go. This uh, People people are just goofy. A Long Island man has been arrested after a Christmas morning crime spree that gave new meaning to the term doorbuster. Happened shortly before 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, a man stole a 2010 Bobcat skid loader, which is used to push snow from a shopping center. He then crashed the mini snowplow through the front doors of a nearby Target. So, uh, you know, you can be 
you can be a criminal and uh, not be very smart. I guess you could be anybody and not be very smart. But uh, this guy takes the cake. Once inside, he swiped a coat and several gift cards before police caught him in the electronics section of the big box retail. Yeah, here's a, you know, here's a little tip for you would-be criminals. You've got to figure that once you crash a bobcat through the front door at Target, they're going to find you because uh, there's all sorts of alarms going off. The man pleaded not guilty. I guess you have to, right? Uh, third To third-degree burglary and fourth-degree larceny. It's not clear whether he had a defense attorney. Probably not. Because uh, I'm guessing there's video of you driving your driving your bobcat into the uh, into the store. What a goof! Just it's just crazy. All right, one last thing about how people are just uh, completely completely nuts. And uh, I'm wondering. I'm looking out the window. We've got the winter storm advisory that is uh, that is underway. And so far, no snow where I am. I'm waiting to see. Here's the, we'll do an over-under for tomorrow, Kyle. Am I going to make it to the grocery store and back before the snow comes? We've got about eight minutes left in the program. Uh, And then my wife and daughter should have the grocery list ready. Am I going to make it to the grocery store and back before uh, I get snowed on? What do you think? You know, I'm looking at the radar right now that we have in the studio, and it looks like the snow must be represented by lo- what looks like a cloud just yes. slowly moving over the <laughs> over the terrain. Uh, and it's it's about 20 minutes away from us here in Milwaukee, so I think it's going to be really tight. It'll be it'll be snowing on your way home, I imagine. This is going to be exciting. It's going to be a race against time, a race against nature. As I try to as I try to dupe Mother Nature and. Uh, Get in and out before the snow comes. Because, as I said earlier, I know people are going to lose their minds on the roads once the snow hits. Uh, They may lose their minds like, I love a good Bridezilla story. Especially when the Bridezilla then is taken to task. A wedding, uh, there's a woman in Louisville, Kentucky. She took her time. She selected exactly the dress she wanted to wear as she walked down the aisle. She eventually found the perfect dress online. Then it arrived. She tried it on. Oh, my goodness. It looked nothing like the one she saw on the mannequins in the photo. She was very, very angry, as you can imagine. She wrote the company a horrible letter. She was a Karen. She wanted to speak to the manager. She demanded a refund and included photos of the dress that she ordered alongside pictures of her in the one that she was sent. What do you think happened to this woman? Other than uh, she was embarrassed because the company calmly replied to her, simply writing, Hi. You put the dress on inside out. Please put it on the right way. She found humor in the situation. The bride-to-be shared what happened on Facebook, writing in her caption, Who knew that they shipped the wedding dress inside out? The dress actually turned out beautiful. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much school we put behind us. Uh, we're still going to lack common sense, like how to put on clothes properly. Uh, the company probably didn't appreciate my angry email. Yeah, you think? Uh, this post is the least I could do to thank so. Thank them for fixing the problem. I think we've all been in that situation where something happens and we react first before we before we really investigate the situation, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Uh, Jeff in Fox Point is uh, texting us. He's got uh, what looks to be a shed full of toilet paper and paper towel that he is hoarding. And he said that we could tweet him. Uh, tweet me if everything is picked over. Oh, so he's... Thank you, Jeff. 
He's offering me a little help if I get to the store and I can't get what I need. Uh, because, you know, once there's a snow forecast, we all have to hoard everything we possibly can. We'll see what happens. All right, let's do this. We'll come back. We'll say goodbye. Find out what Mike Spaulding has on tap for Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ.